Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past featuring the world's most famous personalities. On this edition, we are continuing our salute to America's number one newsman, Walter Winchell. During the Second World War, Mr. Winchell appeared on the War Department's mail call program, a show that was heard by millions of American servicemen all over the world. As you know, recent mail calls have been dedicated to the various states of the Union. But tonight, we dedicate our mail call letter to a much larger territory, the China-Burma-India Theater of War. And standing at the microphone now to send this CBI salute on its way is one of America's best-known newspaper men, Walter Winchell. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America Overseas. This is your U.S. reporter telling you that he's very happy to help deliver this airwave special to the men in the China-Burma-India Theater. The fellows out there have been calling themselves the FBI, meaning Forgotten Boys of India. (laughs) From the arid wastes, the steaming jungles, and the clouded peaks of the world's highest mountains, we've received a lot of mail from you men, and right now we'd like to answer one of your most urgent requests. So for Uncle Joe Stilwell's dead-end kids, for the 10th and 14th Air Forces, who together hold some of the most enviable records of the war, here is your own singing sweetheart, Ginny Sims. You know, I heard your opening remarks about China and Burma and India, and I'm happy to be a part of this salute to those men who are so far from home. Yes, Ginny, they are a long way from home. 14,000 miles as the fortress flies. And it's people like you, Ginny, who can cut those miles down for a little while anyway. Stick around, please, Ginny Sims. In the meantime, I'd like to pass along a gag. The hero of this gag is a sailor. He was based at San Diego. He got 10 days leave. Now our hero, this sailor boy, had saved his money for over a year. And so he could afford the extravagance of a trip back home by sleeper plane to Kansas City, Missouri. The very first day back in Kansas City, our sailor boy hero met a chick he had never seen before. (laughs) They went for each other in a great big way, don't they always? That's why nine days sped by, nine days of that leave sped by because of this doll. And before he knew it, our she-sick sailor had to start back for San Diego. (laughs) At the airport in Kansas City, there was a very worried woman. She was begging all the passengers to sell her their space. She told them she had one last chance to visit her husband on the Pacific coast, that he was being shipped out. And wouldn't they please Wouldn't they please sell her their reservations on that sleeper plane? All of them said they were very sorry, but they were on essential war business, and they just couldn't do it. But wait, here is our hero, the sailor boy. The woman pleaded with him for his sleeper reservation. Our sailor boy took off his hat and bowed very low. 
Yes, ma'am. Be glad to do it, he said, exchanging his ticket for her money. Then the sailor went to the Western Union office in the airport and sent his exact the following telegram. Very sorry. Delayed 24 hours. Just gave birth to lady. <laughs> to which the exec sent the sailor the following telegram. Well done. But your next confinement will be in the brig. Right here, I feel a little funny introducing this May, next male call contributor because he's one of the best introducers of people in show business. He's been a master, a past master of ceremonies for years and years and years and years. <laughs> that perennial juvenile, Jack Haley. Thank you, folks. Hey, Winchell, what kind of an introduction is that? Years and years and years. What am I, a man or a California redwood? <laughs> and what is that perennial juvenile? What does that mean? Why, Jack, that just means ever youthful. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing to me, Haley, how you keep such buoyancy. Oh. Such thanks. spirit. <laughs> Such vivacious sparkle and such enthusiasm. <laughs> In such a tired old body. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me tell you something. I'll admit I wasn't born last Tuesday, Winchell, but the day I was, you printed the item in your column. Column? <laughs> Why, Jack, when you were born, they were chiseling news on stone tablets. If they were, you were one of the chiselers. <laughs> and, uh, but let's quit kidding each other, Waller. We've been good friends from way back. Sure we have, Jack. Why, I can remember playing on the bill with you when you were in a, were a vaudeville hoofer. Shh, not so loud, Haley. What are you afraid of? I won't tell Winchell. <laughs> Besides, you were a darn good hoofer, Waller, and as I recall, you made Fred Astaire look like a baby. Come to the think of it, he was a baby. Look, Jack, let's not stand here and stroke each other's beards. My main purpose in calling you out here was to turn over this MC job to you for a while. Now go ahead and introduce the next personality. Well, that's a cinch, Waller, especially when the next personality is as talented and charming a performer. Here she is, Ella Logan. Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Jack. Hello, Ella. Say, uh, you remember Walter Winchell, don't you? Certainly. What do you hear from Gus Edwards, Walter? Gus Edwards? <laughs> Why, Ella, how did you know that I started in Vaudeville with Gus Edwards? Did your mother tell you? No, my grandmother. <laughs> Look, Ella, we better lay off Winchell. He can get even with us. He's still got his column in the Daily Mirror. Next. Oh, but when he was in Vaudeville... The seat of his pants looked like the Daily Mirror. Stop it. <laughs> Ella, stop it. That's all right, Haley. No kidding, though. That was a great act. Gus Edwards' school days. 
Stand by all APO and FPO numbers from pole to pole and all around the equator. Let's go to press. We're filing a story slug CBI. We're cutting through a monsoon to salute you men of the China, Burma, India theater. And we're planting the story of what you're doing there in all GI years from Rome to Rabaul. Remember this song? Sure, everybody knows Kipling's Road to Mandalay, where the flying fishes play. Only Mr. Kipling had his geography a little cockeyed. From Old Maine, if you want to see the sea, you'd better look west. And Mandalay's a very long way from flying fishes. Right now, the temple bells and the old pagodas are wrecked and scarred and burned. And you ought to know about Merrill's Marauders, the group of American soldiers who have crossed country They've marched over 800 miles, been in four major campaigns, and they've kept those little so-and-sos hopping. And there's nothing very romantic about it. Okay, that's enough music. Uncle Joe Stilwell said it. We took a terrific beating in Burma, but right now we're finding out what caused it, and we're heading back. It's tough country, but we've got tough men there, tough and determined. CBI is the biggest fighting theater on the map and the farthest from home. The 14th U.S. Army Air Force is there, combined with the Chinese Air Force, and they're fighting together under the command of Major General Clash Chenault. Every ounce of gasoline and all their supplies have to be flown to them over the hump. The men of the India-China wing of the Air Transport Command fly across that hump in every kind of weather. Major General Davidson's 10th Air Force is there. So is the Army Air Force, India-Burma sector, under the command of Major General Stratemeyer. To you men of CBI who have braved the world's worst weather, the mountains, the jungle, the heat, the humidity, the mosquitoes, you are not forgotten. Americans back here at home and your allies on five continents and the seven seas salute you. Winchell had now been writing a daily newspaper column for almost 20 years, and it had become an American institution. His office was table 50 at Sherman Billingsley's Stork Club, the New Yorkiest place in New York. His radio show was heard every Sunday night at 9 o'clock, and within the next few years, his salary was to become the biggest in radio history, $1,000 a minute, $15,000 for his 15-minute newscast. If you didn't hear him, your neighbor would tell you about his broadcast. There were few more talked-about personages in America. On December 10, 1946, writer Damon Runyon died of cancer. The following Sunday, Winchell broadcast these words about his longtime friend, Mr. and Mrs. United States. 
A very good friend of mine, a great newspaper man, Damon Runyon, was killed this week by the number two killer cancer. Let's do something about this terrible thing. Let's fight back. Will you please send a penny, nickel, dime, or dollar? I'll turn over all of your donations to cancer fighters to help them in cancer research. Well, the response was so immense that within a year, the Damon Runyon Memorial Fund for Cancer Research had amassed a million and a half dollars. By 1971, more than $35 million had been collected and distributed to cancer researchers throughout the world. His ranking among the most listened to radio programs climbed higher and higher. In 1948, his audience was the biggest in radio, bigger than Fred Allen's or Jack Benny's or even Bob Hope's. That means Kaiser Fraser. That means Walter Winchell. Once again, your neighborly Kaiser Fraser dealer brings you Walter Winchell. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. North and South American. All the ships at sea, let's go to press. Miami. Another hurricane threat is reported heading for Florida. It is now 1,300 miles off the Atlantic coast. This is not the Tampico Twister. Toronto. Seven of the victims in the Canadian pleasure boat tragedy recently charred beyond recognition have been identified by FBI fingerprints. Los Angeles. The investigation of the plane crash last night that killed Buddy Clark the singer has started. Overloading is suspected. Buddy Clark's first Hollywood picture used only his delightful voice. He wasn't seen. He was Jack Haley's voice as the phantom troubadour in the moving picture Ben Burney and I made for Zanuck in 1936. The title of it, ironically now, was Wake Up and Live. And that, ladies and gentlemen, winds up another edition of the Kaiser Fraser News until next Sunday night at the very same time. Until then, I remain your New York correspondent, Walter Winchell, who offers this toast to Joe DiMaggio, the boy that every president hopes he will grow up to be. Good night. This is Cy Harris speaking for Kaiser Fraser. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. Ten years later, Winchell went on the air with his own dramatic show, The Walter Winchell File, a crime melodrama based on his very own crusading of the police beat in New York City. The idea originated with Desi Arnaz, whose Desilu Productions was branching out with other series after their immense success with I Love Lucy. At a banquet here in Hollywood, Winchell had these remarks and early reminiscences of Desi Arnaz. Thank you. When Bob said this crazy business of ours... Here's a concrete example of it. It was on a winter's day or a winter's night in 1938 at around 1.45 a.m. when I walked into a place called the Continental, a joint across the way from the Roney Plaza in Miami Beach. The proprietors, the landlords, were the remnants of the Capone mob. It was a girl show. And a young man, none of us ever heard of, hit a bongo drum and introduced the conga line. One, two, three, kick. One, two, three, kick. And you got up and you snaked in and out of the table. <laughs> I didn't know anybody knew me or that I was in the place. But someone apparently told Desi that I was there, and he came out after the show, and he said, excuse me, is your name Mr. Walter Winchell of New York? And I said, yes. 
He says, you like me. I, I looked up at him and I said, I like your act. And he said, maybe, please, you put my name in the paper in New York and maybe someday I get a job there. I said, yes, in a few days. That was in 1938. In 1958, I was working for him. <laughs> Revlon. Presents The Walter Winchell File. If you are old enough, you probably remember the notorious Aaron Benjamin case. Aaron Benjamin, the young medical student with the IQ of a genius. Aaron Benjamin, who came from a fine family and had a fine future and threw it all away with a senseless, pointless, thrill-killing that disgusted the nation. He was sentenced to life imprisonment. What happens when a twisted boy genius grows into manhood behind prison bars? For something like 20 years, he has been out in this yard with the other convicts. He didn't join a group on the first day, and he hasn't joined one yet. Aaron Benjamin. 20 years ago, when I covered his trial, he had an arrogant way of laughing at anyone who asked him a question. The laughter went away a long time ago. Walter Winchell also appeared as himself in the 20th Century Fox picture, The Helen Morgan Story, starring Anne Blythe. One of the poignant scenes took place in a nightclub as Mr. Winchell introduced Helen Morgan to the assembled throng. The evening, she made her much-publicized comeback. A friend is one who knows all about you but loves you just the same. They tell me that Helen thinks she doesn't have any friends and that the heart of Broadway has stopped beating for her. That's why we are here tonight. For a gal whose love songs made so many of us forget the bad booze, the bamboozlers, and the tinsel tarnished years of the Roaring Twenties. It was an era of mistakes, and Helen Morgan made some of the biggest of them all. But her heart and her pocketbook were always open for an awful lot of people who needed a friend. I don't know how many lights it takes to spell out the name Helen Morgan, but the number must be very great, because even now that they have stopped shining for her, they still leave a bright glow over the great white way. For me and for all of us, who loved the song she sang, the thunder of the twenties will rumble down through Broadway history. And somewhere above it all will be heard the sad, sweet notes of a grand gal on a grand piano, Helen Morgan.
there are no words to tell you how I feel. <laughs> Helen, you always did your best talking, seated on top of a piano. Come on. In 1952, Winchell began broadcasting his Sunday night program as a simulcast on ABC's 365 radio stations and 45 television channels. His unique commentary always had the nation looking and listening. One of the most important portions of Winchell's newscast was the feature entitled Mr. and Mrs. United States. This excerpt is from his show of April 13, 1953. Mr. and Mrs. United States... In plain language, the only reason why the West is being offered a so-called truce is that the rival gangs inside the Kremlin have decided to shoot it out, winner take all. In this merciless life and death struggle between the Red Leaders, the only thing they are still agreed upon is that we, the Americans, must be destroyed. The private and the false religion of all top Reds is that a half-free world and a half-communist world cannot exist. The reason for their peace feelers is not to settle their war against the West, but to settle the leadership among themselves. This week, the casualties on Mount Baldy in Korea were the highest in six months. Ladies and gentlemen, the truth is that Moscow holds the West, meaning us, in great contempt because the West is gullible enough to believe peace talk while its own sons are being shot down in increased numbers. When your enemy really wants peace, the first evidence of his good faith is to stop shooting at you. There are hundreds of things you Americans need that you cannot buy today because of taxes. But you will only need an air fleet once. And if you haven't got one, you will never need it again because your country will be conquered. Our foreign policy is as simple as this. We must get stronger and stronger if we want a lasting peace. You never in your whole life heard of anybody spitting in Jack Dempsey's eye and please pardon my gutter language. In short, I pass along this warning to those of you planning to pick some spring flowers. Beware of the red olive branch. Poison Ivy. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. Next week, we will continue our salute to Walter Winchell. And so with motions of love, I remain your New York correspondent, Walter Winchell, who found out a long time ago that a real friend is one who walked in when the rest of the world walked out. Good night. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next week. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.